Good evening and welcome to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Wraith. It's Wednesday night, which means it's retro night, and I'm joined by a panel of Newcastle fans to look back at games between Newcastle United and Burnley. As always, we will do the uh, players that play for both teams at the end, and there's uh, some celebrity Burnley fans, and the lads have got to guess them, and then putting together a 1-11 to uh, of players that play for both teams. So, uh, without further ado, I'm going to uh, revert back to type. I'm going to move George back to the front. And uh, George, we'll start with your first story about Newcastle against Burnley. Well, I, I'm I'm going off piste a little bit tonight, so which which won't surprise us too much. Um, I noticed in the chat last week and in a couple of weeks before, one or two people have been saying, "Why don't you pick your worst team?" So after the lad said it last week, I did. So here here goes. Here's my worst team. Um, I've tried it. Well, it wasn't difficult to keep it modern because I wanted to pick players I'd actually seen, not just players I'd heard about. So here goes the worst Newcastle team that I've seen. Uh, goalkeeper it was a toss-up between Brian Harvey and, and Sells, the, the Dutchman that uh, uh, couldn't hold the ball. Well, Brian Harvey I actually played with. Um, six foot two, and, that, and the best thing that happened to Brian's football career was when Charlie Mitten came to... Uh, Newcastle, because Charlie thought you couldn't be a first division player if you weren't six foot, and Brian suited the bill. And because he was six foot two, uh, Charlie immediately thought he was a better goalkeeper than Ronnie Simpson. Well, uh, sadly, Brian was a good shot stopper, but his hands his hands were put on hot. Somebody said to me because he couldn't hold the ball, and he had limp wrists, you know, which is desperate for a goalkeeper. So Brian gets the goalkeeper spot, and then the right back is somebody else I played with. Arnold Woolard, Woolard, Arnold James Woolard is his full name, as he used to sometimes tell you. Um, he was from Bermuda. Um, fantastic lad. Um, nicely tanned, blonde hair, blue eyes, a real adonis of a character. And uh, quite a good footballer, only wanted to turn him. And for a fullback, he was so slow turning. Uh, it was like turning the, the S.O. Northumbria in a... In a in a tub of chocolate. I mean, it was that's how slow he was. He was just desperate, absolutely desperate. But uh, his name's interesting because I remember Benny Craig talking to all who were about uh, in a training session and Arnold suddenly appeared. And uh, Benny Craig said to him, and, and what's your name, Bonnie Lad? And he said, Arnold James uh, Woodward. And uh, uh, so Benny says, well, Get hold of that ball and see if see if your feet are as fancy as your name is. <laughs> <laughs> and and that was Arnold, but he, he lovely lad, but oh, desperately slow. And left back was a uh, an Italian Antonio Bar Barrega, and uh, now he's we're up to 2019 with him, and well, he must be the only Italian I know that uh, that couldn't control a football when it was thrown to him. What's interesting is, after he left us, he must have played for nearly every team in the C Serie A in the Italian league, uh, but he was there. Um, at right midfield, I've got John Mitten, Mitten's son. Again, a lovely lad, but uh, for somebody who'd been coached by his father from the day he could walk almost, um, control of the ball was, was abysmal, but worse was his tackling. He was fearful of getting hurt and the net, net, net result was he got hurt because he just used to dangle his leg out and more enough, more often enough he'd meet somebody that would kick it for him uh, so he, he, he was there centre half well 
there's only one centre half that could be the, in the worst team, and that's a young man called Marcelino, uh, who, who had a whole whole season whole season off because he got a spell in his finger. I mean, that that's, that was amazing. Um, and then uh, it, uh, it it left the side of of, of the back three. Sean uh, Allen Boomsong, who um, frankly, um, how he ever played for France, I don't know. But he used to run like a like a cold. You know, his legs were all over the place. Uh, but uh, not a, not a great footballer for me. Um, then at the forward line on the right side, Riviere, who who was a Frenchman, who was not the best of the Frenchmen that we had. And then of course inside him, I've put our old friend Cisco, who uh, was dumped dumped on Kevin Keegan. It's the only way to describe it. And then when we got the centre forward. Um, well, there was a lot of, lot of uh, uh, characters could have lined up for that. There was a Frenchman. There was, uh, um, uh, all, yeah, all, all sorts of names. And uh, but I picked on Franz, uh, Franz uh, Pringle, who oh. was just absolutely hopeless. Frank Pringle. Frank Frank Pringle. That's right. And uh, um, blister. Uh, you know. Um, our, our big Joes, or whatever you want to call them, Joe Linton features in that. But uh, to be exactly honest, to actually call him a centre forward, I think is saying, saying too much anyway. And then uh, to the inside left position, I've put Hendrick because he hasn't showed anything <laughs> at all. Yet they tell it that report papers were saying that the other night for Ireland, he played like a hero. Well, I wish we could see some of that uh, hero. Uh, and uh, on the left side, um, Brian Pinas uh, was, was the left-sided one. Someone who, again, uh, controlled, uh, just didn't come into the game. So, so there's there's my my worst eleven to give people a start and uh, um, go from there if they, if they want to follow on. Um, the Burnley, right, good stuff. Burnley then. The Burnley. Well, Burnley was good for me because it, there's, there's a bit of a there's obviously a personal side which you lads have uh, uh, heard a bit of before because uh, apart from Newcastle United, Burnley was the only team that I actually went had trials for apart from Newcastle United, um, and uh, it was fascinating. Um, how I ended up uh, getting a trial with Burnley was that. Um, uh, this, their local scout, Charlie Ferguson, I think I've told you lads a story before, came to me home and tried to persuade my father to let me go to Burnley for two weeks. And he came into the house and uh, he, uh, hi Neil, and uh, he, um, um, he came in and he was wearing this fantastic tan overcoat that uh, all the posh guys used to and gangsters used to wear in those days. And as soon as he sat down in the house, I realised he'd done his research because he went into the inside pocket, what they call a poacher's pocket, and pulled out of a, a bottle of Lamb's Navy rum. <laughs> well, guess, guess, guess what my father's favourite tipple was, Lamb's Navy rum. And uh, I was quickly sent off to the, to the local shop to get some fags uh, so that he could talk to my father on his own. And uh, he... Uh, by the time I came back, um, I was on my way to I was on my way to Burnley for a fortnight's trial. <laughs> he told me the old man to let, let us go. 
But more than that, he'd also noticed that we didn't have a television. And the next day, lo and behold, Mountfed's TV people in, in Howden sent the van up with a brand new television uh, for the Mitchells. And, and there it was installed that, that very day. So um, Burnley does feature quite, quite largely in my football life, um, as does the two, two weeks uh, that I spent there. Um, but that should be no surprise if, if you look at Burnley's history with teams and uh, lads around the northeast. Um, Steve, I sent you the, the Northumberland boys port for picture I've used before. I sent it again uh, to you to, to, to put up. All right. In order, George, I didn't expect you to go to number five before number oh, one. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you're giving us only toes. You've given a, a complete one to 11 of players, bad players. Then you've gone on to Burnley. Now you've thrown us under the bus with this. <laughs> um, it's called a takeover. Of those lads there, um, uh, Sesso is, is, is the first one on the left hand side. He he went to Burnley. Uh, Chinky Rich, sorry, uh, Dave Richardson. I'm, Chinky Richard, I'd get shot for 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 saying that now. Um, uh, Harry Gilbert from Blythe, then it was me. Tommy Spratt, Saint for Manchester United, and uh, Young. Uh, he went to Sheffield Wednesday. Next one, Stuart Buchanan, who went to Burnley. Dave Lackenby went to Burnley, and uh, Ian Ian Bolham went to Burnley. Um, so they all went. Uh, what was interesting is that the, of the four, after the fortnight there, and by now we're talking about Bob Lord and uh, um, uh, Alan Brown running, running Burnley. And uh, after the fortnight there, um, uh, Alan, we took, Alan Brown took me to the train with, with Charlie Ferguson, the scout who brought me there, and said we'd all get letters uh, explaining what was happening, etc., and offers and what have you. Well, None of them got letters because by the Wednesday of the following week, Alan Brown was manager of Sunderland. And the only only two people that got letters was Cess Irwin. Cess, um, uh, oh, how and And Jud Buchanan. And the, the two of them got letters, to, but to go to Sunderland, not to Burnley. Um, so he, he remembered them, but the rest of them got absolutely nothing. So th that's fine, Steve. I just wanted to illustrate how many kids used to go to Burnley. So I wasn't the exception, is all I'm trying to say. There's a picture of a map, and I think that's number one. I think that's where I want to go to now. Back in, back in the floor, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, with yeah. you now. I'm, I'm on Paul, you know. There's, there's the old ground, and there's the old old houses that used to be next to the ground. They're not there anymore. And this, I stayed in Ann Street. You can see it there. And those two houses, two... Uh, Back to backs that that seem to belong to the same person. I suspect it was Bob Lord, the the, the manager, the, the owner of Burnley, and uh, they had ladies looking after the lads in in to turn these rooms into like uh, uh, like dormitories, you know, with with uh, uh, with bunk beds in and that sort of thing. Were well looked after, well fed, and, and needless to say, with Bob Lord being a, a pie manufacturer, every main meal had some sort of pie in it, <laughs> and. Uh, uh, kept me well fed and well, and then we used to go around from the, the, the house into the turf moor. Now, Burnley were the first club ever in, the, in the history of Football League to have a, a proper training facility, a training ground. Now, I think there's a picture there. Uh, is it 
well, just go through the sequence. That's turf moor as I remember it. Um, not not the modern turf moor that we've got now. How long ago is that, George? I, I, I was uh, just trying to guess. Is that like the seventies? No, fifty six, fifty seven. Wow. Well, I looked at the floodlights and I was thinking that was the giveaway. The yeah. Were, yeah. So I was thinking, how far does that go back? So that's a nice. Yeah. It would be like one of the first colour photographs of a football. Yeah. Program. Yeah. And uh, the next one. Now that's the training facility I'm talking about. They were the first club to have a have a, a proper training ground with facilities, and and that's the uh, the modern. That's that's now. That's that's the modern medical facilities and all the rest of it that they had. Uh, but it's it, it's uh, several, as you can see, several miles away from from Turf Moor. But that's that was then uh, when we went. It was just like to a couple of Nissan huts. It wasn't like that then, but that's that's it now. And, and it, they were the very first to have a proper training facility. I think that's probably modern pictures of turf war now, uh, Steve. Yeah, yeah that, one that's more, it now. One more, one more picture, and that's that one. Yeah, uh, and you can see that some of the old houses are still there, but they're they're, they're all grassed where some of the other ones have been knocked down. So. It's not quite the same as it was when I, uh, that I remember, uh, but that's the modern turf moor, uh, which is uh, quite different. And it's it's remarkable that within the in the ten years that Bob Lord was the chairman of Burnley, um, they went from uh, you know always being a reasonable football team, but in the nineteen sixty, of course, they actually won the won the championship. I, I think did I send the championship team photo? I don't know. No, no, right. Well, that championship squad, it was about 15 of them they used, and about eight of them were from the northeast. You know, there was Jimmy Adamson from Ashton, <coughs> Cummins from Sunderland, there was uh, another lad from Sunderland that played in goal, and I think that's he, he's in one of the programs I sent you. So, can we go to show the program now? George? The first program, yeah, we'll go to the proper game, yeah, yeah. Is it that one? Yes, that's it. That's it. Yes, yes. And uh, the um, the uh, I've lost me uh, place and me, me bits of paper here. Um, yeah, the, the um, that's the program, and I think I put the inside bit with the teams. Yeah, yeah. Strong was from Sunderland. Mather was from Morpeth. Uh, Cummins was from Sunderland. Atwell was from from uh, Amble. Uh, and Elliot, well, Elliot became, came to Sunderland as a, a little later on. He was from, he was from Bradford. But even in that team, there was five of them from the northeast. And you look at our team: Bobby Cole, Jackie Milburn, and that's it. <laughs> that's the that's the Jollies in our team. Yet they had they had five even at that time. So the first uh, game I wanted to—that's the first game I wanted to go to—and uh, it was a seven-one, seven-one thrashing of, uh, of of Burnley by Newcastle United, and it was our cup-winning team really that uh, that played, and they were. Um, ah, I don't know what the hell I've done with it. And they they just give Burnley a football lesson. It was it was unbelievable, uh, the difference in the teams, um, and uh, uh, it was 
it was a case of uh, um, do you want us to come back to you when you find your notes uh, yeah, please. Steve. I'm sorry about that. That's that's unusual for me. Just uh, I no turned worries, it over. Mate. No worries, Steve. Turned we'll it over to, too we'll far. Come, we'll come to you now, Steve. Okay. Um, well, my my first game is uh, quite a, a memorable game for for many people. If if, if of the age, uh, which was the semi final when we played Burnley in 1974. Um, I think uh, George was. Were you there, George, at that match semi final? No, I didn't get to the same. I think Steve, you, you were around, but you didn't go. You said earlier on. No, me, me, me mum wouldn't let us go. Not after all, all that right. crowd trouble at Nottingham Forest. It was terrible, she said. So you're well, not going to go. You're well, that, that was that was the interesting world. that was the interesting leading actually to to the to the story because it it's it's more stories around the, the game itself that 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 they want to talk because I think probably people know know what happened and sort of two fantastic goals which I'll touch on later, but. Um, as Steve said, there the, the the Forest game where we had the pitch invasion and the game uh, null and void, and we had to go twice to Everton, and, they, and and even even they were adventurous. The bus I was on got a got a bricks chucked at the window on the second game, and uh, so you know they get through that round. And and one of the things that meant is that it, it pushed everything back before the semi final because usually you want plenty of time to organise it. And for whatever reason, you know it, it meant that the, the time scale from that game to the, when the semi final was played was was shortened. I don't know whether the club would have done this if uh, if if they hadn't had a short time, but they just decided to put the tickets on sale on a, on a Sunday morning at nine thirty, and and have a free for all. That's how you got the tickets. There was no no uh, loyalty points or anything. You just had to turn up at the ground. Well, that meant going and and because uh, obviously lots wanted to go for the. I guess we probably got about twenty five thousand of the of the. I think about fifty five thousand was was at the match. So we probably got about. Twenty-five to thirty thousand, and uh, so that there was there was basically two queues. There was one queue on the east stand that was going to sell tickets at the, the Gallagher end at the bottom, and the other going to come down Barrack Road that were going to sell tickets in the the old car park. Well, we, we uh, me and my mates we we decided would go and join the queue at about half ten. We went on the usual Saturday night drink and joined the queue. Uh, we were up the east stand side, round the the corner at the top on Lisa's Terrace halfway down the bank towards the other side of Lisa's Terrace when we joined the queue at about half ten. So that's a queue right up past the east stand, down the back lane, and just to the, round the turnstiles at the bottom, uh, just round the corner from the strawberry. So that was the queue at half past ten on the Saturday night. Turnstiles weren't open until half nine on the Sunday morning. So that that was going to be a bit of a bit of a queue and obviously going to build up as the night went on. All of a sudden, there was probably about midnight. There was a surge forward, and and everybody moved forward quite a bit. We ended up um, down the east stand. It was probably a bit more sheltered, to be honest. About the the bit where the uh, where it starts to go down the back lane, uh, and on the raised up bit. So we were there, and and just standing up. There was no way to sit down. There was just no space. You were just cramped up, trying to get some sort of sleep while it while it was uh, you know while you could. And obviously, it was there was good banter going on and a lot of singing and chanting, but. Uh, a lot of people had had a few beers, so there were people wandering off in the woods to, to do what you have to do when uh, in in Lisa's Park. So I think it was about half five in the morning. We thought, well, we better get into the back lane because it's gonna it's gonna start. People are gonna push down the back lane. They're the ones that's gonna get the tickets. So uh, I think about half five in the morning, we we, we went down and, and joined and, and stood just crowding that back lane, and uh, we're there we're there as the, as the night went on and the and the the, the dawn broke and. Uh, Got into getting, you know, as as the time went on, you went. They opened the gates. I think they did a little bit earlier, 
um, and, and uh, managed to get the tickets. And it, it, it was shortly after half nine when, when, when I got my ticket. And I don't think there was many left after that. I don't think everybody got one. And I think there'd been there'd probably been trouble on that side. I think the same thing happened on the on the Barrack Road side, where just absolute masses. It was total chaos. Um, but obviously everybody got the tickets and uh, and and went down to the match, um, and and got the tickets for the match. So coming to the match itself, um, we were all in the in the big the, the cop end. Which uh, if you've ever seen pictures of, of what the ground used to be like, it was just a big open. If you take what the, the, if you remember what the old Gallagher end was like, it was probably twice the height of that. Um, and that was just masses of black and white. Um, but one of the things you weren't allowed to do was was take poles. If you're going to, there were a lot of people who'd done banners. Remember in those days, it wasn't a case of having replica shirts. So people had had black and white scarves and hats, or, or, they, or they made their own their own banners and their own shirts and things. Um, but it was it was it was a sea of black and white. Uh, but you weren't allowed to use poles because I thought that might be offensive weapon because we were we were troublemakers after the forest game. So you had to, if you were going to have a banner, you couldn't have it on a pole. Well, as you know, I'm in a wheelchair now, but in those days, I used to use walking sticks. So uh, we were, we were in the, about halfway up in that end, and, and uh, we decided we'd use my walking sticks to hold the banner up. So um, that wasn't that wasn't allowed either. So the priest came and confiscated my walking sticks. So that was it. Imagine that now. <laughs> <laughs> so I was... I was leaning on the banner, so there weren't, I wasn't leading them because I was leading on the barrier, but we made something go and plead with the police that I was going to need to use them at some point in time, and I had to give us them back. So we, we promised not to put them on the on the banner anymore. Which uh, The banner we had was actually Frankie Bites Your Legs. It was the old saying that Norm, Norman Hunter used to bite your legs. So we had a one related to Frankie Clark biting your legs. So that was the, that was the banner we had up. So so that was, that was built up to the match. And then the match itself... Um, it, it was a very tense game, and, and to be fair, Newcastle probably were were probably un, second best in for most of that game because uh, Burnley put us under the cosh. They hit the bar a couple of times. Um, there, there was some great saves from Willie McFall, and and it got into the second half. Well, in the second half, when uh, when uh, Superman got the the first one, and it was a it, it was a challenge on the edge of the box. I think with um, with Colin Waldron, I think who was centre half of of Burnley. Um, at the time, and uh, he managed to shrug him off and get past, and then he, he hit the shot. Uh, keeper parried it. Um, Alan Stevenson was in goal. The key parried it. They came out, and McDonald, and he put it. He put it back underneath them, in, into the net. Yeah, that's that's a picture of the goal there. So that was about sixty-five minutes. So we're we're a bit relieved to get to get in front, and as you can imagine, how how wild it went in the in the in the cop end of the ground. Um, Burnley carried on pressing again. There was more saves, um, and then probably what most memorable goal uh, about ten minutes later, which was uh, I think people put it down as one of the best passes Terry Hibbert's ever done with his with his sweet left foot. Uh, Burnley were attacking. They, they they got the ball broke away from the edge of our penalty area. It was a sort of lobbed out uh, to, to Terry Hibbert, who picked it up about halfway into our half on the left side, and he just hit it first time. Right into the centre of the pitch as, as McDonald surged past the centre half, and he just the pace that McDonald had, he just he just broke away, and as the keeper advanced, slotted it underneath him two 0 and uh, just a, a fantastic, uh, fantastic goal, and and, and a bit more of a cushion, cushion being two 0 ahead. So um, that was that was the game. So uh, that was it. Well, then uh, you know they, 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 they managed to hang on to the end with with that lead. I think Burnley hit the bar again before the, the end of the match, but uh, 
we hung on and it was a, it was great to celebrate and, and get into the final where the, the the run sadly came to an end as we've talked about in in previous shows. So uh, so that's my first game semi final in 1974. Anybody wants to uh, find out the the full details on that, uh, you can go onto the playlist uh, on the Malcolm McDonald Super Mac and Gibbo uh, playlist. There's some uh, great recollections of the 74 Cup run and the 76 Cup run with him and Gibbo. Well worth a listen. Uh, talk you all the way through. Both games and both finals, um, well worth it. And obviously cover the Burnley semi-final in there. Mitch, uh, sorry yeah. for the delay today, mate. I know it affects you more than anybody else with your uh, with your timing out there. But uh, well, welcome, mate. It, it, it also, the steward testified to buy for a smart city. Sometimes the internet drives you bloody crazy. Well, that's not that matter. <laughs> well, got there in the end. <laughs> um, got exactly got there in the end. So um, I'd won this one for me because. The gap in time between when we last played Burnley when we played them again. So the the last group of um, sort of fixtures with Burnley was sort of in the early eighties, and then there's a big gap until you get to the time when I was actually out here. So it was a, it was a funny set of selection of the fixtures to pick from from me. Um, so I've gone for something earlier on, um, and it just really to give people an experience of what I was brought up in the whole ways of supporting Newcastle United with my dad and with my granddad, you know. Um, so I'm going for the 6th of November, 1982. It's Keegan's first season back. Um, and that season was sort of the first season when I was sometimes going quote-unquote on my own. I wasn't going on my own. You'd go if... There was a few of the dads going, and a, a load of the lads would go with a few of the dads, or you'd go with me dad and me granda, or sometimes on occasion just me granda as well. Um, if I wasn't doing that, um, I was listening to it on the radio with me granda, um, and and the, the voice of the radio then was Charles Harrison, if I remember, um, yeah. before before Mick Laws, um, and I hope Mick's getting getting better day by day, by the way. Um, and so, um, and, and I'm not sure which which one. I certainly don't think I was at this one. So, I, and I suspect this was was one of the ones which I would listen to on the radio with me with my granddad. Um, you got to also remember the, the pub opening I was with different then, and so three o'clock was drinking uptime. So, if I was at the match with my granddad, it was great because I'd be. It was it was like a, a trip to a different world. You'd be parked outside the hotspur, and there'd be a group of kids outside the hotspur because you weren't even allowed in the pub, um, waiting for whoever had brought them to come out the pub, finish the fight, and take them to the match. Uh, and you'd peek in, peek in through the doors. The door was open, and it was like the smoky, almost like peeking through past the courts in Narnia to see what the world inside the pub was like, you know. Um, but more commonly, if I was with my granddad, I would be parked on the bench um, outside the Mauritania pub uh, in Houghton, uh, between the pub uh, and then across the cup was the boogies. And my granddad would come out on the occasion, wander in, put his bets on, come back and go back, go for a finish his paint, you know. Um, and this one, particularly uh, the game itself, the, the three names synonymous with that season, uh, Waddle, Keegan, and Verardi, and I think of, of them, Imre Verardi is the one that that probably doesn't get as much recognition from that season. Um, 
for the goals he scored and the goals he made. Uh, what I do remember of the, of, of the Burnley game was that it was comfortable, you know, um, and I think it come on the back of a couple of thrashings of Leeds, one in the League Cup and one in the League, and it was a welcome win. But that was the the, the first wobble we had that season where we just lost a little bit of ground to the teams chasing for promotion. <laughs> And we we never really caught it back up. We, I think we finished fourth that year, and it just we just fell short, you know. And and we had a couple of couple of points where that, that really wobbled and didn't quite catch back up, and never really got a hundred percent back into the race. Um, but this was a welcome win, which came at a really welcome time. Um, and and one listened to on the radio with one of the voices that was synonymous with the Cassie and as I was growing up. Great stuff, mate. Excellent. Good recollection. Steve Hasty. Good evening. Good evening, Steve. Evening, chaps. Evening, everybody who's watching. Well, yeah, I, I listened to the guys. It, it, it Mitch is absolutely spot on the gap that we had between uh, 83 and probably 2009, 2010. Made it very, very difficult to pick a game. Uh, I was going to pick uh, the game that Steve mentioned, but uh, Steve got in ahead of us. Um so I've gone for I've gone a little bit further back this time. I've I've gone for um, I've gone for February the second, eighteen ninety five. It was first a, an FA Cup first round game. Um, it's in James's Park in front of a packed eight thousand. Um, and just to give you a bit of a picture of it, uh, eighteen ninety two to ninety three, we went out in the first round in a two a three two home defeat against Borough. Um, and then in 1893-94, we went out in the second round after beating Sheffield United 2-0 in the first round. Uh, we then lost to Bolton uh, again at home 2-1. So this is this was an opportunity to move on in the cup, and I think it was like I say it was one of the first cup games that we'd had. We're in the second division by the by the, uh, just 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 for those of you who weren't aware, we were actually in the second division. Um, in goal we had W. A. Ward, uh, right back we had Bobby McDermott, left back was Tom Rendell, uh, right half was Charlie Dixon, uh, the centre half was Willie Graham. Uh, Obviously, the left half was Bill Creeley, who you all remember, I'm certain. Um, outside right was uh, Jock Smith. Inside right, uh, Bobby Willis. Uh, centre forward, John McNee. Um, inside left was Pat O'Brien. And the outside left was Bill Thompson. All names that you recognise, all names that you're all familiar with. Um, I did number them 1 to 11, but just for some of the some of you on probably a little bit younger than me, not be aware that numbers didn't come in on the back of shirts till 1928. So, you know, I just thought I'd uh, throw that one in for you. Um, sort of guy I am. Um, so what I thought, I thought, you know, I can see the faces now and you're thinking, who are these players? So I'd, I'll just get, give you a run through. Ward was a goalkeeper. Um, we got him. He's a Scotsman. We got him from uh, Loughborough, Loughborough Town. Uh, he had a reputation of being quite reliable, believe it or not, uh, which is quite handy for a goalkeeper. Um, he was Newcastle's regular goalkeeper into the second season in the Football League. Um, uh, next came McDermott, uh, an early opponent of the game, is how the programme described him. Uh, Bob's experience was vital during Newcastle's first two seasons in the Football League, uh, and he was an exceptional defender, aged only 25. Um, Rendell, born on Tyneside, first of our ones from, from the North East. Um, he spent one season at St James's Park, which we, uh, which was the season 80, uh, 1894 95. Another 
he was a regular throughout that campaign. He was used in a variety of positions. So a bit of a utility man here. We're talking a Stevie Watson type of, type of defender, played in midfield, played in defence. Uh, then we had Willie Grimm, uh, one of the earliest exponents of the senior game. So obviously he, he, he knew his way around the pitch quite well. Um, one of the club's first club captains as well, believe it or not. Uh, played in the very, very first game at St James's Park. So a lot to live up to. Um I mentioned uh, I mentioned Crilly there, uh, Bobby Crilly. He was a stalwart for Newcastle, as you all know. Um, and he, he came from Newcastle East End. Um, his first game was at St James's Park, believe it or not, was against Celtic in 1892. And first game in the Football League was against Royal Arsenal in 1893. Then we had Dixon, who were picked up from uh, from Preston North End. Uh He'd been, he'd been quite a good player for Preston, but we managed to get him towards the end of his career. Uh, Smith, another ex-Newcastle East Ender, uh, known as Jock, believe it or not. Don't know why. Um, and uh, he, again, a decent player. Um, he'd actually played for Liverpool, believe it or not. Um, and, uh, and and he was born, in, as I say, Scotsman born in Ayrshire. Then we had a local lad in Bobby Willis. Uh, Bobby came from Shankhouse. Shankhouse Black Watch, the one called apparently, uh, during the first season in the Football League, uh, and he did more than enough in his state to be for it to be extended to the following season, which is good for him. But then uh, he returned to the amateur. Well done, Bobby. Um, then we had uh, John McNee. Now John was coming at the end of his career around about this time when he joined Newcastle uh, at the start of the the second Football League season for us. Uh, one of the earliest champions of the game, uh, and he was. Described as probably one of the game's uh, original tricky wingers, which is nice to know. Uh, O'Brien, another Scotsman, Pat, Pat O'Brien, who's only 22, picked him up from Sheffield United, who obviously were the are the oldest football club in the, in the world. Uh, came to us in his second season. Uh, he said apparently played in five different positions during this season, um, but he only played nine games, so I don't know what went on there. And then finally, we had uh, we had Bill Thompson. Now, Bill was 33-year-old, obviously the old man of the team, a uh, lanky defender. Uh, he was on the books with us for 10 years, uh, but a steady stream of injuries uh, and the rise of other defenders did restrict his uh, involvement. Uh, he came from North Seton, if you're wondering. Um, the game itself, I suppose <laughs> you want to know about that. One-two-one. Good game. Uh, both goals coming from Tommy Rendell. And um, just to, to sort of finish off, I think, you know, you look at that squad um, and you look at the, and you look at some of the teams that were in the league at that time, even though this was a cup game. We were in the second division, along with Manchester City, uh, Burslem, Port Vale, uh, Burton, Crewe, Lincoln, Leicester, who are known as Leicester Fossey, by the way, at that point, Berry, uh, Notts County, Loughborough, Woolwich Arsenal, Darwin, Liverpool, Aston Villa, and uh, a club that went by the name of Newton Heath. I'm not sure what happened to them. I, don't, I think <laughs> it must have just drifted away. Um, but obviously, we, we did well in the cup, uh, winning this game 2 1. But we got knocked out in the second round by Aston Villa, uh, a 7 1 absolute hammering. Um, so that was that. Was that. Uh, but I think what's important about the whole thing is this group of players were the foundation for the football club. And everything that they did, they laid towards getting us into the first division in 1898. So the, this is where the foundations were being set with Newcastle. 
obviously coming into the league in 1892. And by 1898, we got promoted. You then look at how that then progressed. Obviously, we were league champions in three successive seasons. Uh, 1904, 1905, 1906, uh, five, sorry, five seasons in th- three seasons in five 1906, 1907, 1908, 1909, and then we all know that we reached the final in 1905, 1906, 1908, 1911. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't win, but we did win in 1910, 1924, 1932, 1951, 1955. And I'm going to finish you off because I've, I've dug really deep into the archives now, and I, I can see you all sitting there. And I actually managed to get a picture of the second goal, right? So if, if you're ready, there's there it is. There's the second goal. For those of you who, 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 Friendly took the shot. It went into the top corner. And you can see that it was a Pat Gallagher end. Um, Steve, if you look carefully, you might, might see yourself. I'm not too sure. There's a, a couple, couple of. Oh, you're talking to Steve Wilkinson. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that was it. Uh, that, was, that was that was that was my can first I, choice, lads. I was just. Can, I went, can you can you tell us, Steve? Because didn't they used to have string for the crossbow in those days? When did they come with the, the wooden? I think it was a wooden crossbow. Can you remember what year that came in? And they didn't have string for the crossbow. Uh, no. <laughs> God knows what you're going to do next week. We've had the Bob Dylan tribute. Now we've now we've had the John Lennon tribute. That looked very like the John Lennon album cover. Um, brilliant, brilliant, Steve. Brilliant stuff. Well done, mate. Good research. Um, and no one will ever be able to pick you up on it because nobody else, other than Paul Giovanni, the club historian, will know whether that's true or not. Exactly. Uh, that's what I thought. <laughs> Stu, Stu Pen- you've even stumped George. Stu Penman, what are you with? Well, I'm glad George knows how I feel when he talks about games from 40, 50 years before. <laughs> before. <laughs> George, not enough. <coughs> hey, we could also break a record today. We could actually start the show on one day and finish on the next. <laughs> <laughs> That's my fault for having a governor's meeting before the show. No, well, it's the time difference as well, isn't it? Right, um, strangely, you've all talked about games from ages ago. My game is from 2015, and I don't have much recollection of it. Uh, so I've had to write a lot of things down. It will become apparent why I have um, as I go through the notes. The game was 1st of January 2015, and it finished 3-3. So the game was a bit of a blur. Uh, it was actually JC's John Carver's first game as a caretaker uh, with Pardew with the process going to Palace. Now, I'd been at John's house. Uh, it's a very big house in the country. Um, a few days earlier where he told us that Pardew was leaving and he was going to be in charge. Uh, so we sang a song to celebrate and then... We just relaxed, had some coffee, TV, and that was it. But uh, the second... The, it was his second time in the row because he had been in charge for the game against Blackburn when Sir Bobby Robson was booted out of the club uh, very unceremoniously. Uh, they beat Blackburn 3-0. Uh, but if you're talking about the, the game at 3-3, because it was New Year's Day, I'm sure more than me just in the crowd required hair of the dog uh, just to even get to the match, never mind uh, skip through it. Because uh, when I was looking around, there was lots of girls and boys looked to uh, be having... It looked like they'd had a good new year uh, and had a bad head. 
Right, so anyway, back to the match. A quarter an hour gone, and our very own limo dancer, Steve Taylor, threw himself at the ball from a Jack Colbeck, Colbeck cross, and he headed the ball down into the ground, and bounced up into the net, and it gave us a deserved lead, because we had been playing very well. Uh, no sooner had the celebrations died down, Paul Dummett placed a final header in uh, what unfortunately was our own net to make it 1-1. Now, our second goal, uh, which was... Well, second goal in the right end, if you don't count uh, Dummett's goal, uh, came from Jack Goldback. So he had made an assist and then set one, uh, scored on himself. It come from the edge of the box through a crowd of players. And my tender head once more was punished with the roar of the crowd. So we dominated to half time without further success. And then we had, and they had three players taken off in that first half. If, I mean, you probably remember better than me. Uh, they had two players injured and someone was ill and had to go off. Uh, but you start thinking, right, they've had three players taken off, three subs used this half time. We're nailed on for another for another New Day's, New Year's Day success. Uh, but again, this is Newcastle and nothing ever goes straight to plan. So Deitch, quite often described as a charmless man, obviously played the siege mentality in the card to perfection in the, in the dressing room half time because his team were unrecognisably good after the break. Uh, Ings got the deserved equaliser and Burnley looked most likely to win the game to be honest but then Sissoko scored for us uh, to stab the ball home after some very poor defender went right across the six yard box and uh, he just took it in at the back post uh, so just as about we're about to build up a song or two to celebrate George Boyd drilled home for them minutes left uh, with the minutes left equalised for the third time they'd equalised Thankfully, they ran out of time to get the winner. And JC soon discovered what a lonesome street being Newcastle United manager can be at times. St. James's Park life indeed. Fantastic, mate. Good stuff. Good review. Uh, give it ch- a chance to give us a shout out to the sponsors. <laughs> I've got it. I've got it. We're going, we're going, we're going Going around the board again after the sponsor shout out. Big shout out to Spider VPN uh, for sponsoring us over the last few months. Uh, Google Spider VPN. They are uh, number one for uh, protecting your computer, protecting your photographs, protecting anything on their Google Spider VPN. They come up at the top of the search list. Big shout out to skipsandbins.com. Telephone 0800 25 Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com. Websites uh, www.skipsandbins.com. Easy contract free and pay as you go waste collection. Thanks to LNG Family Funeral Directors 01913897245 and to John Shop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables and balls in Newcastle, and the guy who runs our website, nufcmatters.com. Jab Signature as well. Thanks for making our flyers, jabsignature.co.uk. If you're a first-time visitor to the channel, subscribe by hitting the Newcastle Legends logo, and uh, that's it. You can subscribe for free. We still do seven shows per week. Hit the thumb up to like the video. Click share to share to your social media and drop into the comments box to uh, speak to like-minded Newcastle fans or to put a question up. And we're also available as a podcast on iTunes, Spotify and all podcast providers. Christmas parties this Friday. Uh, last chance to get tickets. And uh, Super Mac and Gibbo will be doing an audience with. And Junior Turner will be singing his uh, songs live on stage. Doors open at seven. And the following week, an evening with Peter Beardsley. Uh, tickets for that are £15. Tickets for both events at the Irish Club 
are available from NewcastleLegends.com. Just click shop. And tickets for Bulbix.com's uh, event with Supermac and myself on Thursday, the 9th of December from Bulbix.com. It uh, used to be the Punch Bowl in Jesmond, so that's where you get your tickets for that. Don't forget, you can make a donation to the Food Bank at nufcfansfoodbank.co.uk. And you can also buy raffle tickets for the custom-made Peter Beardsley signed trainers in your size. Uh, they've been provided by I Am The Renovation. And don't forget as well, this coming weekend, uh, if you want to meet Supermac in person, uh, you can do so at the Dog and Parrot. I'll be there with Malcolm at one o'clock. Uh, it's just opposite the Centre for Life. And uh, don't forget as well, if you want to become a member of NUFC Manners, John from QTech has set this up. You'll be able to buy your membership pack at the uh, Food Bank event on Friday. And uh, you'll be able to get your own little membership card, your mug and your scarf. And uh, you'll be entered into the prize draw every month. And the next prize draw is two tickets for Manchester United at home. So that's not to be uh, sniffed at. And one more shout out. I'm sure I had uh, no, yes, no, no. It's tomorrow night. I'm doing that. Okay, George, we're back with you. Um, just to yeah. recap on the uh, on the first game, I guess. Just well, your notes from I'd, the seven one. Well, I had dropped my notes on the floor. They were on my feet when I went, uh, and I hadn't realised. But never mind. Um, interesting watching the chat going through while they've been talking, oh, Steve, about comments about people. From the northeast, playing with Burnley, people mentioned Ray Hankin. Well, Ray Hankin didn't just come to the northeast; he came from Wall's End, and it talked about Ralph Coates, and there was others like Billy Point and Brian Talbot, um, dozens and dozens of them. If you, if you go and look at Burnley's lineup uh, of uh, past, uh, former, and present players, um, the number of Jordies is is incredible, uh, and it, and in this seven-one. Uh, game and it's the 15th of September 1951 and uh, it was basically a cup winning team that, that played in this match. Uh, ideal for the Chicken Road Academy to uh, instruct me of course what we were going to see uh, and uh, also the other side of it was they were also aware of how many Northeasters played for Burnley and in this team we beat them 7-1 51,300 in the ground and our team was Simpson, Carol McMichael, Harvey, Brennan, Ted Robledo, Walker, George Robledo, Milburn, Hannah and Mitchell. Seymour was my manager then. Um, the Burnley team was the one I showed at the beginning. Um, Strong, who was from uh, Morpeth. Uh, Mather, who was from Amble. Uh, Adamson from uh, Ashington. Um, Cummins from Sunderland. And uh, Morris, the inside left, was from Blythe. So there's you know, five, six people in, in one team for Burnley even then, which was uh, long before the, 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 the Bob Lord era when they used to go in draws. But uh, anyway, it was 7-1 and it was a fantastic game. The game was uh, the stars were the two wingers, uh, Tommy Walker and Bobby Mitchell, who just tore Burnley to pieces. The goal scoring stars for once wasn't Jackie Milburn. Uh, George Hanna hit the first and the second. Uh, Bobby Mitchell the third, and then George Robledo hit four on the trot. Um, wow. A perfect uh, hat trick to start with, right foot, left foot header, and then a screamer of a, of a header from the edge of the penalty penalty area for his fourth. Uh, and Burnley uh, replied with uh, a, a goal from Holden, who at that time had just become the England centre forward. So you know this Burnley team weren't duck eggs. I mean, Elliot was the England left winger. 
Morris is a Welsh inside forward. McElroy played for Ireland. Um, Adamson was in the England team. And Strong was in the England squad as well. So uh, it, it wasn't a team that, to, to, to laugh at. It was, a, it was a team that was a good team, which was well and truly beaten by an even better team. So, um, yeah, I mean, as I said, I was interested in all the, the chat about Hankin and, and others that were there. Uh, and that's gone on. I don't think it's uh, it stopped either because I gather the, the scouts are still very aware of what's happening in the northeast of England. Someone else made the comment that Burnley was a proper football club. I couldn't agree more. Uh, 1888, and they've been in the same place since they came into the Football League, one of the founder members of the Football League. Uh, I mean, uh, people give accolades to the so-called Big Six. Well, I'd rather we give accolades to the people who got the thing going like Burnley, who are a founder member, and others like that, um, and and uh, rather than worry about how much money they've got. So that's my first one, 7-1, uh, 15th of September, 1951. But we're on to your second game now, George. Right, OK. Then we're back to the September, 3rd of September, 1955, and it was uh, Newcastle 3, Burnley 1, 42,000 in the ground, and... Uh, this time a little uh, slightly different team. Well, quite a different team uh, because we're, we, we were um, uh, recovering. Uh, well, we'd lost players after the cup final and all the rest of it. But still a good team. Thompson, Lackenby, Matt Michael, Schooler, Brennan, Casey, Milburn, Davies, White, uh, Hannah and Mitchell. Uh, and in that team, Thompson, Lackenby and Milburn were, were the, the three Geordies of the team, and Doug Livingston was my manager. Um, the Burnley team was uh, was a, a good one. Was uh, uh, McDonald and Goal Rodman, who was from uh, Whitley Bay, um, Winton from um, Ashington, um, Adams Adams Adamson from Ashington, Cummins from Sunderland, um, Gray from uh, Crook, and. Uh, Stevenson from Ashington. So the, the, again, you know, there's six out of eleven in the team playing us who are from the northeast. I mean, my, my wish is it was the other way around. It, it would have been nice to have it at six in, in our team instead of theirs. Um, but anyway, it was a good game, and uh, it was uh, the highlight again was uh, the play of uh, of Jackie Milburn on the right wing. He he absolutely tore the um, Burnley defence to shreds. Set up Reg Davies with a tap in uh, for the first one. Set up Bobby Mitchell for the second one, and then the third one was was a was a, a very rare goal from our captain Jimmy Schooler, uh, and again he he owed the uh, the setup to uh, Bobby Mitchell, um, and by at this time of course Burnley were managed by Alan Brown, and as I say we were managed by Doug, Doug Livingston, um, a good. Uh, a great, um, a good game to watch, good game of football by two good football sides. And uh, as I say, little, little did I know that a couple of years later I'd actually be, uh, you know, going to Burnley for a trial, um, along with lots of other Jodies. So that's my second game, 3-1, 3rd of September, 1955. Great stuff, George. Thanks, mate. Got there in the end. Steve Wilkinson? Uh, Steve, could you put the picture of the trophy up first that I sent yeah, right, I just I just wanted uh, everybody to know what a trophy looks like because this is what we'll be getting <laughs> in the next few years. 
This is actually the, the last domestic trophy we ever won, <laughs> believe it or not. And that's the Texaco Cup. And uh, the Texaco Cup was a, a competition, um, if anybody's not familiar, that was played only over four seasons between uh, 1971 and 75. Um, and it, it started as a, a, a comp, an extra competition for those that didn't qualify for Europe. In those days, only six teams got into Europe. It was the uh, the league champions, the cup winners, got into the cup winners' cup. And then four clubs from uh, from England got into the U, UEFA Cup or Europa Cup or whatever it was called. Keep changing its name. Um, equivalent of the Fairs Cup that we'd won uh, in 69. So the, there was uh, initially, when it started, there was... Uh, Teams from Ireland, two teams from Ireland, two teams from Northern Ireland, and uh, I think uh, probably the rest were made up well. It was probably uh, eight and four, I think, from uh, England and, and Scotland, maybe to, to make up the numbers. At that time, there was all the troubles going on in, uh, in, in Northern Ireland. So by the time uh, 73 74 season, which is the, the, the game I'm going to talk about when we played Burnley in the final, um, it was only English and Scottish teams left in. So England had nine representatives and, and Scotland had uh, had seven. Um, and and the, the teams that it started at the, uh, at the sort of last 16 stage because of that. And we had uh, from England, we had Burnley, Everton, Sheffield United, Leicester City, Newcastle, Norwich, Stoke and Birmingham and Coventry. They were the, the nine teams from, from England taking part. And from Scotland, it was East Fife, Hearts, Dundee United, Air United, Morton, St Johnston, and Motherwell were the teams from Scotland. So not the not the high flyers, perhaps, but uh, established top teams. And there was there was a bit of an incentive to win it because the the competition was a, an official FA competition, but it was one of the first competitions where uh, major corporate sponsors were contributed, and it was the, the Texaco or the American uh, petrol company. And they put a hundred thousand quid in, which for that time was was quite a decent prize. So it was it was certainly worth winning. And uh, as you'll, you'll see from the team that uh, talk about, they played in the in the final when we played Burnley. It was it was uh, it was a strong team put out. Not not like nowadays where the the, the lesser competitions um, have have maybe reserved squads put out. So it was it was certainly worth winning. So um, they were quite competitive games. Um, and the, just to, to take you through the route to the to the final, we played um, in the first round. We played all these games were played over two legs, the same as like the European games. Uh, we played Morton in the first round, um, uh, one uh, one two one in the uh, in the uh, the way leg, and then got a got a one all draw when we played here. Birmingham game. I think we talked about when uh, when we talked about Birmingham previously that. Uh, it, it was a time when um, the, there was a minor strike on, and there was a it was a three day week in, in operation, and, and uh, power was very restricted. So all games had to be played towards the end of the year and the, in the start of the, the following year, um, 70, over seventy three, seventy four, had to play during the day without floodlights. So um, when we played Birmingham, uh, the, the 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 first leg was a was away. We drew one all. And the second leg at St James's, we, we were drawn ones each, and it was. It was a two o'clock kickoff, so it's it's uh, it's getting to four o'clock. Well, if 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 in a, in a, um, if you know what the it's almost almost to the day because it was twenty uh, eighth of November. So if you can imagine what the, the light was like at four o'clock on a on a on a Wednesday afternoon in in November, you could hardly see anything. And uh, instead of being doing the sensible thing and having the penalty shootout, which you, you was ultimately going to come at the end of extra time. They could have done that at 90 minutes, but instead of that, they decided to start the extra time. 
And after about 10 minutes, it was a waste of time and the, and the game was abandoned. Um, and they had to play it again the following week. So that time we beat Birmingham. Then we went playing Dundee United in the second leg, lost the first leg away 2-0. Um, and uh, they obviously likely to go out. And when we played the second leg, which was in 19th of December, um, we, it was a, a dramatic finish. We actually won the game 4-1 in the end, but it was thanks to a Supermac coming on from the subs bench. Um, and and uh, he, he had, he'd had an injury about a month earlier and had been out for a while. And uh, he, he, came, he came off the bench and we were, were actually about to go out with only about 10 minutes left. And, uh, and, he, and he came on, scored the, what was the equalising goal. But fortunately, the, unlike the European competitions, they didn't have away goals. And uh, so that uh, we went into extra time and we scored the winner in extra time, which put us in the final. And so although that, that had all happened up to December, the final didn't take place till the end of April. So there was a big, big gap before the next time. And uh, unlike all previous years, they, they decided this year that I don't know whether it was because of this problems with the floodlights and the, the power cuts that, that, that the season might have been run late. They decided to have the final only as one leg, um, which was unlike all the other seasons where there'd been a two leg final. So uh, and for whatever reason, we, we got drawn at home in the final, so you couldn't you couldn't wish for a for a better opportunity to win it than, than have a have a home um, have a home final. So that comes to the game itself. I can't actually remember an enormous amount about the game, but just just to give you the team and, and tell you how strong this team was, um, it, it, there was only one change from the team that played in the FA Cup semi final uh, a couple of weeks earlier. So in goal, Willie McFall, uh, fullbacks Frank Clark and Derek Craig. Um, in the first game, David Craig had played. No relation at all, but uh, Derek Craig, and I think it was born must have one of the goalie games. Um, Dave, David Craig must have been injured, and Derek Craig played at fullback. Uh, across the middle, Terry McDermott, Pat Howard, Bob Monker, and up front, Tommy Cassidy, J Jinky Smith, Supermark, John Tudor, and, and Terry Hibbert. So, other than that, Derek Craig for David Craig, that was the same team that played in the, um, in, in in the semi-final against Burnley. In this game, Burnley, Burnley actually took the lead for 25 minutes um, goal from Paul Fletcher. But uh, only five minutes later, Supermark, the, the man himself who would uh, in the scourge of Burnley in the, in the semi-final of the FA Cup, equalised. And, that, and that's how it stayed till the end of the game. So it went into extra time. And uh, just as he'd done to uh, win the, the last competition, we'd won the Fairs Cup. Lord Bob Monker came up and, and got the winner in the, just before half-time in the extra time and uh, we went on to win the trophy 2-1. Uh, decent crowd for that time, 30, 30, uh, 34,500. Um, and that was the trophy, as you saw at the beginning. And I think that you've got the programme there as well, Steve, of that match, just to, to uh, finish the captions. That's the, and there he is, Bob Monker, the one that scored the, the winning goal, uh, Wednesday 24th of April. Um, obviously, floodlights allowed at that time because it was a 7.30 kickoff. So I think they must have sorted out the electricity problems at that time. Um, so our last trophy, we actually won it again the second year, the year after, which was the last year of the competition. So over the, the four years the competition was on, we actually lost in the semi-final both times before that, uh, in, in both cases an extra time, and won it in 74-75. So we were actually prolific in the Texaco Cup in the, uh, the 1970s. So uh, let's hope that's what, how it works out in the, in the 2000s, 2020s. Not the Texaco Cup, though. <laughs> You're mute, Steve. I'm mute. 
you see, this is what happens when someone comes into the kitchen. Um, <laughs> Mitch, what are your second game, mate? Thanks for that, Steve. Great stuff. <laughs> second game is one I watched out here, uh, and I watched it with Stu. Um, it's 26th of November 2018. Uh, yeah. Burnley won Newcastle 2. Um, we watched that game in Nelson's. I can't for the yeah, we did. think why we watched it. We kind of think why we watched it in Nelson's, whether we were on uh, self-imposed Goodfellas band. Yeah. We did. Because uh, of the shenanigans with Bills. I couldn't remember yeah. if it was because the shenanigans with Bills or if it was in the aftermath of Dave Cartman and the Sunrisers Hyderabad fans instead. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> couldn't remember which one it that was. Self-imposed band. Self-imposed band. The kickoff was delayed 30 minutes because of a medical emergency, which... Out here, once the clocks go go on, it's like or go back rather. It's a four-hour difference. And sticking thirty minutes onto a, onto a midweek evening game uh, is a bit of a bit of a killer for work the next morning. I can tell you it was that. A Monday night, wasn't um, it? It was. It was a Monday night, and it so was, it was like first midnight kickoff. Yeah, first win at Turf Moor since nineteen seventy-five. But a lot of that's because of the time gap where we didn't play Burnley. Um. Is that Poppy back by any chance, Dad? Yes. <laughs> that's why I that's why I muted before. <laughs> anyway, the, the game itself went really well. After four minutes, we were one 0 up with deflected shot, um, which was termed as an own goal in off off of me. And then, uh, in twenty three minutes, Kieran Clark got the second, and that just made the match easy. Should have had a third actually by Richie. He missed from just about on the six-yard line and um, and it should have been easily 3-0. Instead, it was 2-1 at half-time. Volks got one back. But to be honest with you, the way we were playing, we were so well-organised, typically under Rafa. Uh, we never really looked in doubt once we got the, got the second goal. Um, but the other reason I picked this game is, is again, we've, we've done this before on the show. This is a game, this is 2018, November 2018. And if you look at the team, that day. In the team were Dubravka, Shea, Fernandez, Clark, and Richie. And on the bench, Hayden Murphy, Shelby, McKillo, and Woodman. So 10 of that match day squad are pretty much still part of our day to day match day squad now. And it shows how, you know, again, once again, in the last five year or four years, how poor the squad management's been. I bet there's no other Premiership team you could go back and look at their first team squad from November 2018 and have 10 members of that first team squad still in and regularly playing. And and, and it just shows it, it how lucky, really, Ashley's been to stay in the Premier League over that time before he sold the club. He really is a gambler and he really gets away with bloody murder. But that night was a really good night. Um, mm. Always a good night with mates out here in in, in Dubai when you, when you can actually get some of the cats herded together to watch the game together, whether it's in Goodfellas or whether it's in self-imposed ban in the Nelsons. Um, and that's my second game. You're on mute again, Steve. That me, Steve. Right. Um, I'm on a hat trick, lads. Yeah, I've, I've brought me right up to date now. Right up to date. I've gone Steve, for the, I, uh, the Stu, 25th of August, 2021. What I'll do is I'm just going to point at you, Stu, if the mic's off. 
I'll just speak after Steve. Sorry. <laughs> right, 25th, 25th of August, 2021. Um, Carabao Cup. Uh, I've, I've, I've written some notes here. It says, we're bidding to beat Premier League opposition in a cup competition for the first time in seven years. Looking to book a place in the third round of the Carabao Cup. Um, but as we'd never won a game and still hadn't haven't won a game, believe it or not, uh, Bruce went in vowing to play a very strong team. Now, I don't usually do this, but I've I've written a quote down like uh, what Steve Bruce said before the game, so I think it kind of fits in. Um, he said, "We're going to make changes tonight. Uh, we have to for several reasons. We have a squad for a reason." He told her. Um, but we need to keep them all happy and some of them need games to keep the match fit and to stake a claim for the weekend and the Premier League games to come, which is fascinating. It's like, it sounds like he knows what he's doing. It sounds like he knows his squad. He sounds like he thinks they should be fit. That, that, this is August, by the way, uh, just last August. Um, so he says, uh, but make no mistake, the starting 11 and the bench will be strong and we will be capable of getting through to the next stage. We reached the quarterfinals of the competition last year and the same stage of the FA Cup the season uh, before. And I truly believe that there's nothing better than a cup run, particularly for a club with a cup tradition that this club has. Even if you do have to go back longer than we've had for all this since Newcastle won silverware. It's a cup competition and people are champing at the bit to play. Uh, that's where you use your squad. So good, good. He's got this. Is this has turned into tactics? This, this is this is good stuff. By the way, um, we've got twelve or thirteen players not playing every Saturday. Oh, he's, he's he's even doing his maths. This is fantastic. And I'm, I'm I'm getting I'm getting to like this guy now. Um, so we've got twelve or thirteen players not playing every Saturday, and this is an ideal opportunity for where you uh, where they will play. Uh, it will be a strong squad. Yes. I'll make changes, but I'll take the cup seriously, as I always have done since I've been here. That was the little, that was a little sort of stab, wasn't it? That was a little, because he still got it in his mind about Rafa, which we all remember. Anyway, so it comes to the, it comes to the day. Hayden's out with a knee injury. Shelby's out with a calf injury, so that's them two gone. Uh, apparently, it came too early for Dummett. Uh, this was last August, by the way. Um, he'd only just returned to training uh, that week. Uh, Dubravka was out with a foot injury. Carl Darlow had COVID, and Callum Wilson was going to be rested. So, two teams, Burnley and Newcastle, both have lost their opening two fixtures. Uh, and he said he was going to make changes, but we we ended up with a team with only only Freddie Woodman and Jamal Lasalle who were retained from the previous defeat against Aston Villa on the Saturday. Um, we went into the team with Woodman, Marquio, Kraft, Lascelles and Clark. That's an interesting back for that. I think I've, I've heard that recently. Uh, Lewis got a run out. Uh, Sean Longstaff, Hendrick. Uh, and I don't know whether he plays up front or whether he plays in midfield, but we had Fraser, uh, Joe Linton and Gale, Dwight Gale. Uh, and a fairly strong bench when you look at it. Uh, Gillespie, uh, Shaw. Is, is he still with her? I'm not too sure. Um Matty Longstaff, San Maximum, Murphy, Almiron and Willock. So, what goes into the game? Uh, 10, 15 minutes into the game before anything happened and Jeff, Jeff Hendrick had a shot that went wide. Apparently, Fraser looked lively, as did Lewis. Uh, 
At some point in the game, Joe Linton scuffed a shot and the ball fell to Hendrick, whose effort was blocked by Hennessy in the Burnley goal that picked up Hennessy from Crystal Palace. Uh, Gail then clipped the top of the, or the underside of the crossbar and it went out. Uh, Gail and Manquello then forced Hen- Hennessy into another couple of saves. Uh, tremendous saves, as it was described in The Guardian. Oh, it must have been some save. Um, but if we're, if we're really honest, what we were watching here was two really, really poor teams. Uh, two teams I consider, and I've written it down here because I wanted to get this point, two se- teams who were set up by dinosaur managers who saw little interest in the word entertainment uh, because perhaps it's not mentioned in their coaching books. Um, but... You know what? This is where it started to go a little bit haywire for me because in the 19th minute, this is the problem with the Carabao Cup. You let kids in, don't you? And 19th minute and they start shouting, Brucey, Brucey, give us a wave. And what does he do? He waves back. So this is this is like he's beginning to think he's loved now. So that's, uh, that was a bit dodgy. Anyway, the game petered out after that, basically. Um, it went to penalties. Um, upstepped... Uh, Upstep the first penalty, and uh, it was ESM. He can strike a ball. Uh, he missed. Uh, Wood put them 1-0 up. Willett made it one all with a decent effort. Then Barnes stepped up, made it 2-1 for them. Joe Linton absolutely hammered a brilliant penalty in. Uh, they made it 2 all. It was described as top class. Uh, Burnley then went 3-2 in front through Dwight McNeil. Then Longstaff, Sean Longstaff stepped up. He put an absolute corker penalty in as well. Um, so it was starting to, starting to look like at least we could take penalties. He made it three all, especially when Woodman staved Josh Brownhill's penalty that kept were really and put were back in the shootout because now we're level. And up steps Almiron. And at this point, you're thinking he puts this away and Woodcock, Woodman makes another save or the, or the miss and, and we're through. Um, but I think what we witnessed here was a penalty that was worthy of any England player in a Euro final when he placed the most weak penalty to Hennessy's right and the keeper virtually fell on the ball. Uh, so there we were. It was 3 all. Burnley still had a kick to go. Charlie Taylor stepped up, scored past Woodman. Uh, that was the divisive kick and we were out. It wasn't even September and we were already out of the cup. Um, what followed, however, were the usual cliched comments that we have uh, really come to, come to be used to from Steve Bruce. Um, but before I get onto his comments, I just want to point out, and in the warm-up, Steve Agnew and Ben Dawson were working with the centre-backs, uh, which is interesting. Uh, Stephen Clements, he was doing some passing drills with the midfielders, and Graham Jones was overseeing the formers in some shooting practice. So I suppose you could say that even in the warm-up, that told a bit of a story about what we were like, because defensively, we've been and carried on being all over the place. Midfield, we cannot pass. And the barn door remains a safe option for anyone who wants to stand in front of it, as far as our strikers are concerned. Um, But in Bruce's world, it was a different kettle of fish. And he told us all that overall, we played defensively excellent. I can't remember Burnley having a shot or my goalkeeper having to make a save. And... He also said, but we're not having any luck at the minute. We've got to keep bashing away, and I'm sure it'll change. So that's good of him. Uh, so I thought I'd better look at the stats. The stats were that we had uh, we had 54% of the possession. We had 18 shots compared to their six, but only three were on target. Out <laughs> of the 18, of which they had one of their six on target. This is just, you begin to realise what the game was like. Uh, we had nine corners. They had four, and there was eight fouls committed. 
Um, but we all know that Bruce loves the stats league, but never really got what the uh, what the fans were seeking from, uh, or what we were seeing from our own eyes. Square pegs, round holes, disjointed formation, and team setup. Uh, I think we also saw from Bruce a fear to play a present game and uh, a conviction that the percentages would would even themselves out over the season. Um, and I, I was trying to think of what I would say to finish it off. And what Bruce, what Bruce in this game summed up for me, and it reminded me uh, of the time that Eric Norton and Ernie Wise in that very, very famous sketch that they did where Eric was playing the piano. I don't know whether you remember it. Uh, I'm sure you all do. And uh, Andre Previn, the world-famous conductor, was standing in front of them, and Andre Previn told, uh, told Eric Norton, as he was playing the piano, that he was playing the wrong notes. And uh, Eric responded by saying that he was playing the right notes, just in the wrong order. Um, <laughs> and I think that probably Bruce's time at St James's Park, if you ask me. Hundred percent, definitely. <laughs> great stuff. Two great, two great recollections there, Stephen. Not a diagram in sight. Uh, no, I thought I'd keep that one later. <laughs> Stu, I've decided to be professional for the last five minutes uh, of the show, so I'm over to you. Well, I'm not going to be, so <laughs> leave it to you. <laughs> Okay, so if I have 11 blur songs, what we're going to get next? Right. Everybody listen. Well, right, what, you'll have to guess. The, the name of the band will be quite easy, but you'll have to guess how many songs or count them as we go along. But Steve just did the first Newcastle game versus Burnley we ever played, and he did the most recent one as well, the first and last. So, right, my second game. So you ready to start counting? It wasn't on New Year's Day, but on the 3rd of October 2020. Uh, as there were no fans allowed, I couldn't go with or without you. And to those who said no crowds were even better than the real thing, all I can say to you is walk on. At least the Burnley fans didn't have to suffer from the usual vertigo being in the top tier. Uh, it certainly wasn't a beautiful day as the rain uh, was falling constantly. However, it didn't stop us putting a top performance in. Only one of a few under a blood red sky, you could say, we played the first goal came from ESM when he drove at the heart of their defence. He twisted one way, then turned back, went the other way, and then he, he did crack it in the bottom corner. And because no one was at the game, you had to watch it on the TV, the camera flew into the, well, went to the centre-halves, and they honestly looked like they'd been on a hell of a scalper. So, uh, would we return to our mysterious ways of not turning in decent performances at the points? Thankfully, we only had one moment of surrender, uh, when after a bit of head tennis from a corner for Westwood to volley home to leave Bruce looking like he was sucking a lemon. And uh, hold on, and their time and place, is that a song? Yes, it is. And their time, <laughs> their time another place, uh, we could have been numb. Uh, however, we continued to play with pride and retook, retook the lead. ASM showed, ASM showed great desire to beat his man and send in an inch-perfect cross for Wilson, not for the first time, to find the net. Uh, we could breathe more comfortably when Pope, should, uh, who should have uh, been good at crosses with that name, he misread the, the, the through ball, upended Fraser, and a penalty was given for Wilson to cruelly chip the ball down the middle. He deserved a hat-trick, but sometimes you can't make it on your own. Right, the, the, the sweetest thing about that game was it finished 3-1. And those, those of you who know, I like the back 3-1. And it was our last 3-1 win. Uh, and I'm, we're still, I'm still searching for our first win this season, let alone a first 3-1. So I still haven't found what I'm looking for. 
But maybe this Saturday we'll get what we deserve. There we go. Oh my God. <laughs> Finished. Does anybody want to try and guess just for fun how many crammed in there? Because I lost count at about 10. It's there. Look at all that. Wow. <laughs> 22 was the answer. Oh, 22. No, 22. Oh, unlucky. No, you, McKenna. He said 23. Unlucky, son. You, unlucky. It was 22. Close but no cigar. Great stuff. Great recollections with a bit of humour chucked in. And uh, as always, we finish the show off uh, with um, a few guesses for the lads of players that played for both teams. So here we go, lads. Paul Robinson. Paul Robinson. Paul Robinson. Went on loan to Burnley. Yes, uh, second time he's featured in the last couple of weeks. Gaza. Gaza, Gaza. Paul Gascoigne, of course. There one season, I think, in the back end of his career. That's our that's our coach. Correct. Our new coach. Correct. Which one? <laughs> oh, what's he oh, the jowl. Is it Nicole mm. Jowl? Is it? Oh. No. Yeah. Sitting alongside Eddie Howe at Brighton. He was. Uh, I'll believe Jason Tyndall. Tyndall. Yeah. Tyndall, that's Well, he's, yeah. he's got it as a piece about him in the Chronicle tonight. That's Stephen Colwell. Stephen Colwell. Stephen Colwell. Steve Caldwell. Tommy, Tommy, Tommy Cassidy. Cassidy. Tommy Cassidy. Well done. The rest are fairly easy, I think. Oh, Andy, Andy Cole. Cole. Andy Cole. Andy Cole. Andy Cole. Andy, Andy Cole. He gets the ball. Edgar. Edgar. David Edgar, yes. Chrissy Waddle. Chris Waddle. Chris Waddle. Jeff, Jeff Hendrick. Hendrick. Big Jeff. Hendrick, yep. Joey Barton. Joey Barton. Right, Joey Barton. And uh, the man at the moment. Eddie Howe. Eddie Howe. Eddie Howe. Eddie Howe. Good luck with the goalkeeper. Eddie uh, Howe. Okay, here's the celebrities. Oh, Alistair Campbell. Campbell. Alistair Campbell. Yeah, Alistair Campbell. Big Burnley fan. Big. Jimmy, Jimmy Anderson. Anderson. Jimmy Anderson, the uh, cricketer, of course. Yep. She's, she's from Coronation Street. I don't know her name. Julia Haworth. Julia well Haworth. done, Steve. Played Claire Peacock in Coronation Street. She was called Claire, yeah. Ted Heath. Ted Heath. Ted Heath. Ted Heath, Ted Heath yeah. Ted Heath, obviously watching that 7 1 game there. <laughs> Man Sorry, on the road. Mike, Johnny Briggs, Mike yeah. Baldwin. Mike Baldwin. Johnny Briggs. Johnny Briggs. Johnny Briggs. Mike Baldwin. I found this one a bit bizarre. Prince Charles. Prince Charles. <laughs> Prince Charles. Apparently admitted it. Um, admitted being a Claret and Blue fan in uh, 2012. Oh, right. Came out, eh? Now, we're looking oh, for... Chesney. Sam Aston. Yes. Sam Aston. Well done. I don't watch Corrie Mind. I just done my research. <laughs> On the same website as me. Yes, oh, Snoop Dogg. Dog. Yeah, God Which... knows. He, he recorded an album in uh, Burnley, and that's how that connection's come about. And last, last one, easiest <laughs> one of the lot, I think. 
that's a kid from the jungle <coughs> from last year, the DJ. Jordan North. Jordan North, exactly. Jordan and he North. was, uh, Burnley, if you remember, was his happy place. Yeah, uh, okay, true. quick quick run around the board. Stu Penman, you're 1-11. Right, thanks to Mr Hasty, we managed to get a goalkeeper, Bobby Robinson. Come then on, I've got yep. Bradley Orr, Steve Caldwell and Edgar in defence. It's a 3-6-1, really strange formation. Then I had Waddle, Gaza, Cassidy, Joey Barton, Hendrick and Nulty in midfield with Andy Cole up front. And obviously, Mr Eddie Howe is the manager. OK. Steve Hastie. Right. Uh, obviously, Robinson and goal. Uh, Edgar, uh, Colwell and and Orr uh, in defence. I had a midfield of Gascoigne, Barton, Tommy Cassidy and I put Peter Noble in there. He was one of those players. He had no hair and he... He had the he had the Ralph Coates type comb over if I'm alright, but he yeah. ran and ran and ran. And then up front I had Chrissy Waddle, Andy Cole, and I think did Peter Beardsley also play uh go there for a short period of time. So Absolutely. I stuck Peter Beardsley in there, but I, I also stuck Jeff Hendrick mm-hmm. on the bench and I had I went for Eddie Howe as manager, um, and I gave Chrissy Waddle the assistant manager's role. Because he actually managed them as well, Chris Waddle, for a year. Yeah, good stuff, Mitch. Right, my keeper, Richard, didn't turn up that keeper that Steve talked about, so I cheated. I went with a guy called George Jimmy Strong from the 1930s, who was born in Morpeth, never played a game for us, but did play quite a few games for Burnley in the war years. Uh, And then I've got a back three of Caldwell, Edgar and Peter Haddock. And then a midfield five of uh, Barton, uh, Hendrick, uh, Cassidy, Jeff Nulty and Waddle. And then I've got Gaza floating free behind Andy Cole with Eddie Howe as a manager. Great stuff. Steve Wilkinson. Right. Well, I've got a different goalkeeper. Um, Kevin Carr was an apprentice at Burnley. Oh, um, what a shout that is. Ah. <laughs> Never played well for done, that man. <laughs> And uh, so, defence, um, David, I've also got a guy called Jack Hill as a centre-half who played for Newcastle 1928-31. And yeah. he, he became England captain, would you believe, um, as well after that. Um, Jeff Dulty at the back, uh, Stephen Caldwell in midfield, Joey Barton, Gaza, Tommy Cassidy. I've also got Peter Noble in. Um, he was actually on, on the picture that uh, I think you showed earlier on when Supermax scored, I think he was on that picture because he, he actually played fullback when he went to Burnley and he was playing in that game uh, in, in the semi-finals. Um, also up front, Andy Cole and Chris Worrell, Eddie Howe manager. OK. And George, last but by no means least. And uh, I too found the Kevin Carr link uh, for obvious oh. reasons. Um, Kevin Carr, uh, Steve Colwell, um or uh, then in front of them, Peter Noble, David Edgar, um, Jeff Nulty, for all time's sake, just because I like them, Joey Barton at seven, um, Andy Cole at, uh, at uh, sorry, Tommy Cassidy at eight, Andy Cole at nine, Gaza at 10, and Chris Waddle at 11. And uh, when I looked at that team, I thought, well, they, they would give our current team a good run for the money, I'm afraid. <laughs> Funny somebody mentioned that earlier on uh, about uh, the, the bad team that you put out at the start. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> Probably give our team a, a run for the money as well. Absolutely. Uh, great stuff. Great stuff in the crack. Uh, in great crack in the chat as well. If you want to see the lads on screen again, the three amigos is back on Friday. We'll be live at three thirty in the afternoon because obviously we've got the Christmas party. So three thirty to five thirty. Uh, join me, Steve Hasty, and Neil Mitchell uh, as we. Uh, that hairstyle, I don't know what I look like on there. It's that's a weird. That's going to be another weird one from John and Jab. I do like, look like Ralph Iverson. Have <laughs> a look again, <laughs> Steve. You've actually come off quite well there. I look, yeah. like, I look like somebody out of the monkeys, um, Mickey Delens, maybe. Nice earrings on Mitch. Mitch, Mitch looks like uh, the, the woman out of misery. I've got no idea. And uh, well, that's five, that's three thirty to five thirty on Friday. Uh, and don't forget, news from the Middle East uh, is on Saturday at eleven o'clock. Uh, lads, great stuff. Um, get your thinking cap out for next week. It's a combined show because we're getting down to the nitty gritty now of teams where we probably couldn't uh, do a full show. So combined show next week of Oldham, Swindon. And Blackpool. All right. Um, we've done Blackpool. No, I think we have. No, we had a research. We had we had a talk about that. We had a talk about that, and that was said we're going to do those three shows. I've been going through the retro show anyway. The, the retro show chat, and that's what we agreed on. And nobody complained. So if yeah. we have done Blackpool, I can't find it on the show anymore. So we'll have to. Run through some stories, some old and swindling. If you feel like you've done a Blackpool show, um, you do old and swindling. Yeah, great stuff. All right, lads, good to see you. Take care and see you later. Thanks a lot. Talking to myself again